Well, welcome to Visionary Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is banned from ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have so much stuff to talk about. We have welcome to Visionary. We have Wrestle Kingdom. Guys, we are outside. It is cold outside. Sorry about this. Welcome. I, it's it's not I, it's out of my control. It's out of my Welcome. control. Welcome to Visionaries Global. Welcome to Visionaries Global Media. I think it's just stuck down now. We have so much stuff to talk about tonight. We have uh New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 16. We have WWE Day 1, we have a NXT, I am totally thrown off now, NXT New Year's Evil, uh, a great AEW last night with Daniel Bryan, Adam Page 2, Tony Khan sticks his foot in his mouth, WWE has some more releases, there's an incredible street fight on Rampage, that and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band for Ringside podcast. Whew. God damn. You can tell how this pod is going to go off the jump. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagy, a.k.a. Pod So Good, make you want to slap your jobber. And sitting to my left, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? That's amazing. Good shit, Vice. Allow us to bow our heads as I read from the latest edition from the Band for Ringside podcast, volume 238, chapter 3, verse 14, and the good smart say it. Hashtag who the heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. Um, I've been off all week. I've been off since uh, Saturday night. Uh, start work again tomorrow. This was not necessarily planned. It fell into my lap. It was a beautiful time for me to be off because there is so much wrestling in and out of the ring. We said we're going to try to keep this under two hours, so let's try to keep this under two hours. <laughs> yeah, let's try to keep That's why we're outside. And out there on the West Coast, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? Yeah, far west of the house. Not much. Dude, 2.38. Is that me episode 238? That's episode 238, my brother. Yeah, damn, guys. Um, I gotta say, uh, I mean, I really... Uh, appreciate the fact that uh, I was looped into this and it's, it's the highlight of my week like every week and um, it's just super cool uh, I mean that, that's a lot and uh, I don't think we call out enough uh, you know I don't think we put ourselves over at all because we're all self-deprecating or at least that's how uh, I am and uh, I mean 238 episodes of consecutive weeks is it's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, I think that's more than like Sunday night heat or shotgun Saturday night. So. <laughs> I'll why, tell you what. Why are you bringing up the funk shit, Doc? If I would have known, because Jason and Zach didn't know each other before the podcast, if I would have known that uh, about all the cum jokes that would have come, <laughs> that would have. <laughs> Might have made a different. <laughs> might have made a different decision, but we are we are too far down the rabbit hole now. <laughs> I was about to say I moved to Portland, motherfucker. Don't even try. <laughs> I know somebody there. I know two people there. So uh, Jason and I, yes, that's a very nice sentiment, Zach. I agree completely. I'd like to see. I'd like to break down 238 hours in, or not even 238 hours, more than that, into how many weeks we've actually just the three of us have been have talked about wrestling, which is 
quite a bit. Uh, but we have fun, and we hope you guys have fun listening to it. Uh, Jason and I are braving the cold outside, so Jason can smoke, and I can smoke too. And uh, <laughs> I love how I get thrown underneath the bus for this one. <laughs> I thought there was so much stuff for us to talk about. I was like, well, I also didn't want to be because the baby's going to go to sleep and then we're going to have to be downstairs. We're going to have to be way far away. And it just didn't seem very conducive. This seems more conducive. You're alive when you're outside and cold. You know what I mean? Just fucking alive. I'm about to say, I got a whole new, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A whole new respect for the Green Bay Packers that do this shit. And you're from a warm weather people. You are <laughs> no. almost, you're almost, you're almost frozen right now. You look like Nicholson at the end of the shining. Um, <laughs> You know what? We don't have any sponsors anymore. Uh, Thanks for listening. We got too much stuff to get into. Let's get to the three count. And also, there's no hope of ending in the future. Yeah, well, yeah, there's probably no (laughs) hope. Based on the content. That's probably true. And I just hit the three count. It didn't do anything. I think the roadcaster is. Welcome. Oh, no. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Jason, what's that? What's that one count? This is going to be a great fucking pod. I can't wait. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So uh, I have been tasked with the New Japan portion of the program. So that is going to be our one count. New Japan had their two-night Wrestle Kingdom show on the 4th and the 5th, Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. Um, We just said we weren't trying to do the highlights of it. So... For me, the biggest highlight, and I won't even say the obvious one, I'll say the one that made me pop the most, that made me really sit up and start to take interest, was Kenta and Tanahashi. Uh, That was for the uh, U.S. title, no disqualification. And Tanahashi had said something in the backstage promo that I really didn't pay any attention to. It just sounded like, you know, baby face talk. He had said something to the effect of that he was going to go out of his way to go the heel route and be the champion to go any, you know, above any and all means to be the champion. I guess better choice of words. And I never really tripped off of that. I was like, okay, you know, no big deal. You know, that's just what you know, baby faces are supposed to say. And then this match happened. Holy fucking shit! Okay, this ladder spot was like, no way. There's no way they're going to do this. Kenta brings out, it had to be, what, 20 feet, 30 feet? It was the biggest ladder I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And Tanahashi proceeds to do a high fly flow off this ladder onto Kenta while Kenta's laying on the table, flush perfectly. I mean, you can't practice this. This was, you know, an agreement between two guys where they're just like, okay, we're going to do this spot, and, you know, let's just pray everything goes right. Red Shoes didn't hold the ladder, which was a kind of a surprise. I wasn't sure that this ladder was going to hold. I thought that was the match that I had some, you know, moderate expectations for. That joker blew the expectation level out of the water. Obviously, Tanahashi went over there. From that point, uh, for me, the next two biggest matches were obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but the uh, the two heavyweight uh, title matches with Okada winning both matches, him versus Shingo in night one, and then being Will Ospreay in night two. It was the, this is what I like about New Japan. We talked about this a lot, where it's a re- uh, redemption arc where it starts, uh, a story starts one way, and now it goes completely full circle. Okada was kind of 
in the dark for a good period of time. You know, it was Naito with the double titles. Then it went to Ishii, you know, um, so on and so forth. Uh, Abushi, you know, you throw in guys here and there. And Okada, for whatever reason, was in the background. If it was health or storyline or whatever the case may be, Okada was never really around until really recently. And then in the G1, when he decided to go back to the Rainmaker as the finisher to put the money clip on the shelf, I thought that was probably the second biggest storyline for me taken away from the uh, the couple of nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Desperado and uh, Hiromu being the third. I thought Desperado finally vanquishing Hiromu in a junior heavyweight title match in the way he did it in all white. I thought that was really sweet. So to me, those were the three biggest, I guess, hit points for uh, Russell Kingdom. Zach, tell us what was your biggest takeaway? Man, what a what a couple nights. Um, I will say, uh, as far as just Follow Jason's theme, the thing that popped me the most, besides the high fly flow through the table, which uh, totally popped me, even though it took Kenta five years to set up the ladder, um, as he was making fun of it, and the crowd was like making fun of him for taking so long. But just the shot um, of him going through the table, and then the shot of the blood uh, mm-hmm. from Kenta's head from falling off the ladder previously, just smeared all over those very. Uh, hard to break table um, very cool even though that match was kind of a shit show uh, Tanahashi gets it done in the Tokyo Dome he gets it done everywhere but uh, the thing that popped me the most was uh, Shibata going into business for himself and mm. just saying dude uh, I got my protege here he looks like me he wears the same trunks as me he will be a bigger star than me um and we are going to show you uh, what I can do. And apparently that was a shoot. It wasn't just Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton being like, oh, he's going into business for himself. Um, I listened to Observer Radio today, and nobody in the back ghetto, no executives were okay with this at the beginning of it. Uh, he was not admonished or punished or anything. What are you going to do to Shibata? I mean, he's your best trainer. He's trained in the future. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. He gave you an amazing, what, four-and-a-half-star match with a young lion uh, on excursion. Um, and, yeah, he went into business for himself and just, like, it was one of the best matches of the whole two nights. We should uh, name we that young lion that's Ren Narita. Ren Narita. Yep. Yes, Ren Narita. Yeah, Edgar, Edgar uh, Ren Narita. <laughs> All right, Chris Berman. <laughs> no, I, I want to piggyback yeah, like, on that for 30 seconds. Ren Narita has, has been on New Japan Strong, so that's obviously over here in the States uh, in L.A., and he's had a couple of uh, really big wins, the biggest uh, over Chris Dickinson. He had a title match against uh, the New Japan Strong champion, Tom Lawler. That was a banger match. So, I mean, for those who watch New Japan Strong, this was a really good call, number one, because obviously it's uh, – in the New Japan Dojo, and Shibata is the trainer. But then number two, this just adds more to the legend of Ren, Ren Narita. So when he does come back, it's just going he's going to come back with some, you know, I guess a little bit of a resume. He's he's gotten himself over with, you know, matches in the States. And now, obviously, with this match with Shibata at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So, yeah, I totally forgot about that. What else you got, Zach? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and you, you can't not talk about the main events, which even though I was wrong on both accounts, uh, I thought Shingo was going over and uh, it was going to be Shingo Osprey. But, uh, you know, fantastic main event uh, both nights. Um, I really enjoyed the Shingo uh, Okada story. Big Shingo fan, big Okada fan, obviously, if you listen to the pod. Um, Shingo's just one of my guys, and Okada is like the guy. And uh, never been hit with the Rainmaker, and that was the story of the match. Uh, very cool. And, uh, you know, he went over, and, you know, like, I'm not mad about it. Like, we're back to the the Okada reign, and, like, the dude took almost, I don't want to say too long because of the pandemic. If if not for the pandemic, we might have thought that he took too long off. So maybe it was perfect that he could heal up some and be that Okada that we all remember and do some bullshit feud with Yujiro in the meantime. Uh, you know, have some balloons, you know, taped to his trunk, you know, in the meantime. And uh, that's all fine Oof. because, like, this dude's back because those drop kicks are just as high. Yeah, this, this, these drop kicks are just as high. Um, I think he is a smarter wrestler. I think he is a a more capable and more um, precise uh, wrestler. He's always been very technically sound. His timing is great. I don't mean that as, as far as precise. I just what I mean is when you watch this and when you watch the Osprey match, every movement, like every kind of effort of like movement is precise in the sense that every move matters it's also it's also especially in the osprey match it's also like necessary like every every move that okada did in the osprey match and osprey you know also it was necessary go ahead yeah i mean like osprey did a ton and (laughs) i mean he did the the moonsault like 12, 14 feet up off of the, you know, off of the scaffolding. Unbelievable. Just absolutely. I'm like, no way. I'm like, dude, no way. No way they're going to do this again. So, I mean, here, we, go ahead. Real real quick, we got the, the classic uh, spot, uh, Osprey Okada spot, which I think is the quintessential spot of the rivalry of the Rainmaker versus the Spanish Fly, where... Okada goes to the Rainmaker and he does the Spanish fly where you think that you're close to the finish and then they just do 10 more minutes. Uh, but I think the the kind of highlight of the Okada Osprey match is why I, it, it is the pinnacle for wrestle, for match of the year. And we had, what, maybe three candidates uh, just in the past week of, for match of the year already in 2022. But just the reversals uh, of signature moves which is a staple in New Japan, but the way in which they reversed them was nothing that I was expecting. Like, I mean, I watch New Japan. I watch it all the time. I know their movesets. And if I was laying out a, a match, I would not have come up with this because they are way more clever than I am. And whenever Okada did the Stormbreaker from, like, a roll-up, like, I, I lost my mind. Like, it was, like, 10 minutes into the match, and Okada pulls out a Stormbreaker. And um, these guys are just absolutely next level. And, I mean, I see a lot of stuff online, and there's a lot of Vincels out there. And I'm a Roman Reigns fan, but, like, there is nothing in WWE and 
only rarely really in AEW that can approach the level of New Japan storytelling and athleticism. Like we get a glimpse finally of a a promotion that we love that has been very I don't want to say down in the dumps, but has had a very rough time. And it wasn't all great. Like the whole cards of both nights were not like all great, but like this is why we're here. And uh, this is my match of the year for now. And it's going to take something pretty transcendent uh, to eclipse uh, Okada and Osprey. Well, I'll just put it out there right now. Uh, I agree with everything that Zach said. The Shingo Okada match was spectacular, but it also felt like Okada. I, I don't even remember who I picked last week in terms of New Japan, but Shingo. like, I, 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 I listened to it this morning. But like after Okada won, it just makes so much sense. Like if the world is going to open up soon enough, hopefully, God, fingers crossed, then it makes more. It makes the most sense to have your best foot forward, which is Okada. You know, no slide on Shingo, no it slide may, on Will, Will Osprey, no slide on Will Osprey. Um, but it 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 makes sense to put. Okada up there the Shingo Okada match was incredible but I think that they knew that Okada had to fight another match the next night against Osprey and you they left a little something on the table left a little something on the table the Okada Osprey match the way that my mind thinks about great NJPW matches is that the finish like when they when they're told to go home and they have five or six minutes left. You know, it's not the same go-home that WWE has, but the finishing sequences are always, always really good, no matter who it is, pretty much, unless it's evil. Uh, <laughs> those endings always knock it out of the park, and the last 20 minutes of Osprey Okada felt like it was the last five minutes of every other main event. Like, it was fucking insane, uh, and that's a testament to both guys. Osprey plays the heel so good because I really want him to lose. I did not want him to win that match. He is such a fucking dick, <laughs> and he's such a fucking he's such a cocky prick that I really did want Okada. To, I, I was getting worked. I was a mark. I turned into a mark. I know that's hard for you guys to believe, but I can't say anything more about it than Zach said. It, you know. There was a there was a lot of filler on these two nights, which is as to be expected because Japan is not open yet, and because they couldn't have a bunch of people from overseas. There was no Jay White, you know. I'm sure John Moxley would have been there if uh, you know if he wasn't having his own personal things, and if the if the shit was opened up. I'm a little surprised to hear you guys talk about how much you like Tanahashi versus Kenta. That was that that match did not do it for me I well yeah. i will say i didn't i think you, you look at it uh in the sense of uh the finish because up until then yeah the match was not good um because even though it was the only tanahashi match, just seems out of place milk. in a trash match like that yeah and he can do anything but it's just like it's just not fun like at all like it's just not what you want to see but the ending was such a spectacle that I feel like you kind of put some rose-colored yeah, glasses and on and they the did they did tell a good minutes. story I I watched both nights all the way through um even even the three-on-three -three matches which I usually kind of 
go past just because. Oh. Um, but they did tell the story with Tanahashi the night before. before. He's with, like, with, man, with I'm the mega coaches, with, <laughs> with the mega coaches, he was he was mad at he was mad at Kenta, and you know he wanted to win. Uh, the match that really stood out to me was Jeff Cobb versus Naito. That match was fucking awesome, and Jeff Cobb is on his way to being a major player. I want Jeff Cobb to win the G1 next year. Or the New Japan well, Cup. Yeah, I know that you said this on Twitter. Uh, like, why yeah. didn't he win that match? I don't, I don't understand why. Come he on, guys. Well, he didn't, he didn't win that match. I think I think he didn't win that match because it's the 50th anniversary, and it makes the most sense to have Okada versus Naido. So Naido had to look strong. I thought it was weird that he didn't win until he came out. I was like, okay, who's going to come out? Okada after he beat Osprey, and it was Naido, and that makes that that makes sense. That it, they, it they didn't totally want to be Cobb. They, yeah, they it didn't totally want to be Cobb, which I get because Naido is a he's a made guy, you know, and that would just be making Cobb, I guess. Um, I feel like it only makes sense if Cobb's gonna win that title eventually, because otherwise, like you're just feeding a. Naito to Okada, why not feed Cobb to Okada, which has been but, done no, before. You don't a, want to do that just there was yet. A, there was a couple booking decisions, though, that if WWE were to make those booking decisions, and I know we're talking to apples and, you know, granny apples, but if WWE were to make the decision to have Sonata go over Great Okan and have uh, Naito go over Cobb, that you're not really making new stars, right? Okay. But they, I will say though, and I, I think I know what you're going to say, Jason. They have been in a holding pattern for a while now, at New Japan, because they are on the other side of the world, and they're. It's it's not that they're not playing to the east, but they're also they know that there is money to be made in the west, especially with AEW as popular as it is, and they need to make they need. Like I said before, they need to put the best foot forward. Best foot forward. In Impact, because they are on Access now, right. uh, which is another big announcement. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, to that point, uh, and Jason, you can go ahead here in just a moment, even yeah, though you're the quintessential knight on Mark, and you're not going to argue against him. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, See? Like, Cobb is the guy to go across the, the, the pond, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it was just very surprising to me because... Well, so is Osprey so in that... G1. I mean, in, yeah. in that, if you're thinking that way, so is Osprey. But at the same time, like Osprey would have been the champion then, and you can't sacrifice your champion because of the, the travel conditions. But Cobb is a guy that can go across the pond, uh, whereas Osprey as champion could not. Uh, but it was just surprising. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It was just surprising. And Okada's the man. Obviously, Okada's the man. Number one, number two. Despite my flag waving for Naito, I was surprised when it happened that Naito won. But then the more and more they talked about the 50th anniversary show and then Okada won, then it made sense. I'm not going to defend Sonata beating Great Okan. That doesn't make sense. I thought that that was the one where Great Okan was going to win. And I thought, honestly, I thought United Empire was going to reverse the curse from Wrestle Kingdom 15 when they lost all of their matches. They're going to reverse the curse and win all three matches. And obviously that curse still stands because all three guys lost, neither here nor there. 
I'm not going to sit up here and say that I thought that Naidu was going to win. I expected Jeff Cobb to win. It was a bit of a surprise. It was kind of a quick win on top of it. The story was good. The finish was kind of quick. I'm not going to say I can't piggyback on what Bill said, that the wrong guy won because when you stop and look at it big picture, the right guy won. You go, you go If Naito is probably not going to be the champion again, the double champion reign was probably – The double yeah, champion was reign was probably his swan song as champion – as top dog. Okay? So if there's somebody between those two guys – and I said it on Twitter when I was watching it. The winner of this match is probably going to be, if especially if it's Jeff Cobb, that's the guy that I expect to win to go uh, to call out Okada if he wins. Jeff Cobb has had a spectacular year. Losing to Naito is not the worst thing in the world. No, by and any oh, no. stretch I'm not, I'm not of imagination. saying he's buried by, by any means. Like, okay, no, no. Position think you want, I am not speaking in WWE terms that he's like buried or anything. No, he's but not you, you, at all. Jeff Cobb is going to get his shot at also, Okada, whether, like that, you said, at New Japan Cup or at G1. Yes. He's going to get his shot at yes. Okada. I hope the it's the G1. You, the longer you put it off, though, I think the bigger you build this matchup, and then it will be a big time matchup. That is something that New Japan does. I could easily see Jeff Cobb winning next G1 because that is something that they do. I mean, it took, like, look at Ibushi, man. He won three fucking times in a row. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about— And it made it better. You know, we we give AEW all their flowers for, um, you know, telling a long-term story with Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. New Japan has four— Five, six long-term storylines going at a time. <laughs> okay, so you know they really do. That's that's why I'm not worried about Jeff Cobb. No, neither ultimately. am I. Neither am I. The, I mean, the, the booking is solid except for evil matches. I should say, I think I get a little too worked up about the House of Torture stuff, and then I think that in New Japan is in the dumps as far as booking because I get a little too worked up about uh, House of Torture, and I need to like kind of step back and. And do some do some big picture stuff. Well, the House of Torture uh, stuff is dumb. Like it is so dumb. It it the evil versus Ishi match was no fun to watch, and it was basically no fun to watch from the very beginning. They didn't even give they didn't even give me a chance to get into it to then get disappointed. It was three yeah, they minutes, gave us like two two three minutes of good wrestling before it just went to fuck. Yeah, and I love Ishi. <sighs> Yeah, and evil. Evil is a capable wrestler. Yeah, he's really good. Do you remember two years ago when evil was like the shit? Like he would have good G one matches, and I would look forward to evil G one match. Now anything with too much. Yeah, it is. It is okay. You guys were mad about Bullet Club. This shit is Bullet Club times ten. It is way over the top. Uh, The Dangerous Techers. Lost the tag titles to Godo and Yoshihashi. Called I w- it. And Ditto. not only did they lose to them, Godo and Yoshihashi fucking dominated them. It was kind of a one-sided match. A strangely planned out, booked match in terms of what I thought going in. But I was into it. I, I said on the podcast last week that I liked that Yoshihashi and Goto, I liked their G1 match. It was one of my favorite G1 matches that they had because it was two guys that had nothing to win, 
but they decided to go for it, and they ended up having a 29-and-a-half-minute match, I think. I think it <laughs> almost ridiculous, yeah. It almost went uh, the distance, distance yeah. and I, I don't remember who won. But I'm glad to see Danger Stickers have held the titles for a while, and so that was very cool to me. Zach texted us on our text thread and talked about Tai Chi's commitment to his gimmick, and I also appreciate that. Damn, Skip, you boy. I was about to say, there is nothing dude. in the world that is going to stop that man from singing his song. What a, what a dude, fun is, wrestler. Is, that is, is fun. So, Japan. so, like, not only a little insight into people, like, uh, for, for the listeners, like, insight into me. Like, I'm a total Japanophile. Like, I mean, I watch anime. I'm doing Japanese on Duolingo. You know, like, um, this is not the only Japanese shit that I'm into. And... Tai Chi's gimmick is so Japan, and it, it could not exist anywhere else for him to just lip sync into a microphone so obviously. And they're doing the face off in their in their fucking tag match, <laughs> and he is holding the microphone, and he's still lip syncing to this fucking ridiculous song and this fan of the opera and. Dude, I love it, and like I'm here for it, and Mio Abe just adds oh, to it, oh and oh man, it's so good. So, two more things we gotta bring up before we move off of New Japan. Uh, the first one being maybe the worst booking decision of the night, which was uh, Yano lost to Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> Suzuki is gonna act a plum fucking fool with this KOPW stipulations. It is just going to be all kinds of mayhem. Well, it's young lions, you know, getting thrown into this mix. Well, I we cannot had a, wait for Suzuki to a, get a we twist a, onto this. We had a Shima appearance. It was Shima. Which I think I'm pronouncing right. It's C I M A, but it's pronounced like yeah. you would say Shelly. Shima, right? Yeah. And yep. it's he's Chinese and uh I sound like uh the guy from Boogie Nights where it's like that's Cosmo. He's Chinese. Uh he, <laughs> he's Chinese and he fought Minoru Suzuki, uh Chase Owens and Toriano. Suzuki gets the win over Toriano. I think it lasted like seven minutes, maybe. That's probably all it should last. You know, it's it's a comedy it's a comedy belt basically that hopefully Suzuki brings a little less comedy to and maybe Suzuki I, I guess the belt gets dropped every year. In the new year it yeah. starts over, right? Yeah, yeah it resets yeah, basically. It's renewed. Yeah. I'm so, just hoping a young lion doesn't lose an eye to that sharp ass poker on the fucking KOPW uh you know, trophy or whatever. And then the other, the other match, yeah, it does. It looks sharp. It looks like a okay. wing or I, something. Dude, I don't need to pay attention to that motherfucker. I like break it, break it, break it. <laughs> the other match that we haven't really talked about was uh, El Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi, which was a that's what you want in a what do you call it, a cruiserweight match? I guess a cruiserweight match. It was an insane match, just completely dude, it was a, it insane. Was a match. He so essentially Desperado beat Hiromu in his own game in the Tokyo Dome. So Hiromu has a hole to dig himself out of because there was no Kanemaru spraying whiskey. There wasn't anything like that. Like Desperado came out all in white and he beat Hiromu at his own game and the match fucking ruled and it was a surprise. That was a surprise to me. Oh, I agree totally. Uh, the first five minutes was basically them trading, you know, chops 
for between the two of them or whatever the case may be at that point. I was like, okay, you know, now I can kind of see where this thing is kind of going. I don't know if, and this is just me kind of peeking forward because Kevin Kelly was kind of saying something about this. Chris Charlton kind of teased it. I'm not sure if Hiromu's days in the junior heavyweight uh, division are numbered. It kind of sounded like it was just from what they were saying on commentary. If it is, then, you know, I'm not sure what they're talking about with the New Japan Cup, but maybe if they're doing it the way they've traditionally done it and been doing it with all heavyweights and no young lions, you know, maybe this is a chance for Hiromu to get into the New Japan Cup, be introduced as a heavyweight, kind of go from there. If they done it, if they do it like they've done it before, you know, maybe a couple years ago, I think it was right around the start of the pandemic, they did the uh, the New Japan Cup, and it was basically any and everybody, and Hiromu's basically in that mix again. So, I mean... I mean, Shingo was a BOSJ you know, for the longest time. This is true story. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's something to be said about that. I guess, you know, it's a two-part story with that match is, number one, like I said at the beginning, you know, Desperado finally exercises his demons over Hiromu, beating him at his own game. But number two, you know, what's next for Hiromu? Is he going to stay in the, you know, junior heavyweight division or is it time for him to finally move up? Hopefully. One thing I didn't mention before we move on, like, uh, you know, they they have redone the whole IWGP uh, kind of baseline, you know, before they do the matches. They show the, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, right? It's a new, new lineage, and uh, I still hate that belt, man. It, it looks like the Divas belt had sex with Cody's neck tattoo. Like, I fucking hate that belt. Like, they need to bring back the old belt welcome <laughs> you should have just said it yeah I was they're all lighting up it's all fucked up he's heating up I was trying to do a he's heating up that's a good joke uh, I, listen I, I was thinking about that when uh, Okada held it up I, I was like oh man it's a shitty looking belt I've never really thought about it before and I just realized that I never think about what any belt looks like. It just never even occurs to me what belts look like. When like when when people are like, ah, oh, what's the best looking belt of all time? It's like I do not care. It just never occurs to me. I, I don't know. I, I nah, see. Damn that. Okay, <laughs> I get it. it Okada basically had to sign off on this new uh, title belt because he was one of the big proponents against it. You know, the whole idea against, you know, double titles, the whole shebang. So, I mean. Well, I'm not saying that I'm better than you guys for not thinking about it. It's just it's just not something that ever occurs to me. It's really not. It, shit, that that was a big deal. I remember when it was uh, when it first happened. Yeah, I, I remember we talked about it yeah, on this podcast. I was getting ready to say, I'm, I'm the total opposite. I look at the belt. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to see the belt. I think it's cool. You know, it just adds some. It, it doesn't right. make it any bigger. Give me one letter and then a plus or a minus if you want to. If you had to judge, if you had to, <laughs> if you had, if you had to give uh, Wrestle Kingdom 16 a grade, what would you give it, Jason? <laughs> I hate you. What would you um, give it? Compared to other Wrestle Kingdoms, not compared to Monday Night Raw. Oh, you can't compare this to other. Well, I mean, you can if you want to. Um, C plus. 
Zach? Uh, compared to other Russell Kingdoms, I will say B minus because if we look at not last year because last year was the first of the two nights uh, situation, I feel like that's going to be an ongoing thing. But if you remember in 2019, they had that quick four-hour show and it was amazing, but we were just like, oh my God, if they would have just given these guys more time. But now, instead of just having this amazing card where they give people more time, there's this extra filler. Uh, but the quality of the matches of the main events or like the top three matches are still great. So I can't, I can't put it into that C range, but otherwise um, it is not to the level of previous Wrestle Kingdoms, even though we had arguably match of the year that is going to be very difficult to transcend. Um, but yeah, B minus. Uh, it was, it was a fun two nights. I guess you missed the part where I said, give me one letter and maybe a plus or a minus. Yep, yep, totally missed that. <laughs> I was going to say, give me 300. <laughs> you don't think Jason could have done that? <laughs> I'm not saying, I did what you asked, boss. <laughs> I give it a B minus. Let's get to that two count. <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I told you, don't do it. All right, Zach, what's the two count? Oh, shit. Uh, two count. Uh, we got all things AEW. Uh, so let's just start out with Friday. Um, well, actually, before Friday, let's just start chronologically. Uh, TK put out a match or put out a tweet uh, to uh, provoke Rampage, but this was post uh, Big Swole doing a um, interview with Fightful, uh, kind of airing her grievances about AEW and. Um, TK put out, I think, I think it is New Year's Eve, right? So it's Friday, New Year's Eve. I think TK probably had like uh, one too many white claws uh, before he put out this uh, tweet. I'm just guessing. I don't know him. He drinks uh, white claws for what, billionaires, though, though. Like, I, yeah, I don't we, know what we don't even know what they drink. are. Yeah, I have no idea what billionaires drink. He had a little bit too much of the bubbly, uh, let's just say. And um, yeah, like he was just like, you know, he doesn't take criticism very well. So I will preface that with uh, I listen to a lot of these media scrums and um, very kind of cognizant of kind of how he reacts. And he does not react to criticism well at all. And even looking at Twitter after this, uh, there was plenty of people that were posting about criticism that they had put about the Fulham Soccer League where they said Tony Kong jerks off dogs. And he was so mad that he, like, responded so vehemently that people were like, well, maybe he does jerk off dogs. Like, he's just, like, that level of insecure about his properties. Uh, but essentially, Big Swole put out, uh, you know, her aired her grievances. Uh, and that was her story, right? That's her experience. And I do not want to discount that, especially as a white cisgendered male. I'm not going to discount Big Swole's grievances with the company that she worked for that I am 3,000 miles from uh, and have only an ancillary uh, fan base, you know, experience too. Uh, but, um, you know, I read her interview and, um, you know, some of it seemed like justifiable, uh, you know, qualms with, with the company. A little bit of it kind of read like sour grapes to me. Uh, and that's just my viewpoint of it. But, uh Tony Khan came back and said, uh, hey, watch Rampage. And by the way, uh, I released Big Swole because – or I didn't renew Big Swole's contract because he's not a good wrestler. And this set off 
a firestorm. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That was that was kind of it. But for those that aren't the for those that aren't on Twitter, for those that aren't following, this is. Uh, let me give a more accurate representation of what he tweeted. She tweeted that um, there there's not enough diversity in the company, and if there were if she was given more of a chance, she could have done better. Okay, Tony Khan tweets back uh, the two highest the two highest up CEOs in the company are both brown. Me and uh, Meta. M E H T A. I don't know who that is. And I think then, it's like Mega or Me- Mega. Or Mega, Mega. Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, he's he kind of gives a list of all his black friends, and he's he's like uh, we have. Uh, he names the two guys from Private Party. He names Powerhouse Hobbs. He name checks uh, the Lucha Brothers. He name checks. I don't even think he put no, Jay so, Cargill into there. No, he was like you know. Um, so-and-so, Jay Cargill has done well in the TBS tournament, things along those lines, you know, kind of, you know, checking the it was, accomplished. It was kind of. List box off. And then he says it all, and then he goes, Big Swole got cut because I didn't think her wrestling was good enough. And then it said, watch AEW Rampage Street Fight tonight, which is, let's admit it. Come on. Let's call that what it is. That is Trumpian. Like, to turn a criticism into some kind of, Hey, but don't forget to watch Friday Night Rampage. You know, that is, it's just not a good look. Okay, go ahead, Zach. Oh, yeah, no, and I'm not condoning the tweet. I'm not saying it was a a good move because it was a bad move. Uh, Totally, uh, for sure. Um, And this, it set off a total shitstorm on Twitter. I actually logged off Twitter uh, for the whole night because there were so many people, like, checking in and also just kind of, like, kind of morphing it not even into the conversation that it actually existed in just like a lot of tribalism happening and that's why you as a head of a company and a ceo uh kind of just keep yourself uh insulated from this like you just don't respond in that manner especially in a in a forum that only allows for 240 characters right don't do it zach texts us texted both of us this and the first thing I said was somebody needs to remind him that the there's always an option to not tweet. Like, you don't have to tweet. And he could have not tweeted anything and been fine. It was a bad look. Um, but instead of – let's just brace this, break this down to brass tacks because, you know, we do have a person of color here on the podcast. Um, no, he, he – we got to get our piece in before Jason talks. <laughs> Jason Bell, black man. That's what they say. Hey, Jason, can you can you speak for your people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll do the best I can, my friend. You're so articulate. I do what I can. Uh, so the the bottom line is, Big Swole is saying, you know, there's not enough representation and not enough black representation and it kind of got confounded with diversity which is not necessarily what black swole was saying or big swole was saying <laughs> jesus <Black> christ <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily what big swole was saying but what do you think uh, as an AEW uh watcher 
it's it's a lot to unpack. Um, ultimately, I agree. Now, let me tell you yeah, what right. I think about it. <laughs> um, I, I, I do get what Big Swole is saying. There are people, Scorpio Sky is somebody that I've kind of been champion for for quite some time, obviously a man of color. You know, he's got a win over Jericho. He's uh, the first of the AEW Tag Team Champions. He was a guy that I thought that could have been in the discussion to be in the heavyweight championship level. Hell, even for the uh, the TNT title, I thought that he was uh, on the way to do that. Obviously, that's been derailed. So, I mean, Justin, for that example alone, I think that's kind of, you know, maybe a discussion to be had. Now, from there, uh, I see people, they're saying that, you know, oh, you can just put, fill in the blank into the title picture and make that work. You can't do that. I mean... Let's just say Sean Dean, because that's the guy that is kind of in in play for Wednesday night. Sean Dean couldn't be inserted to the title picture. Powerhouse Hobbs could, but it would still take him a little bit. They would have to build him up the way they did with Wardlow, for example. Another big guy just happens to be the opposite color. You would have to put the investment time in. It's just not going to happen overnight. It's not as bad as WWE, who's dropped the ball for multiple, multiple decades and just got around to the fact of doing it with Rock and or Kofi, depending on who you decide is the, the blacker of the two. That being said, Tony Khan didn't have to respond, and he chose to do so. That was the biggest mistake of it all. The booking, you can work around that. You can say, I think somebody said it between, I think it was either Two Beer or uh, Reef. One of them said that the tweet should have just said, okay, you know, basically we'll just do better or we'll try to work it out. He just he decided to fire back, and that was the biggest problem with it all. I mean, he's a billionaire. Yeah, he, he was he was born a billionaire. He's been a billionaire for a long time. He, like Zach said, he doesn't take criticism very well. I've heard, so just for example, like there was a woman on a media scrum who asked him about uh, the women's division in a constructive way and was like, you know, asking about, you know, the NWA, uh, you know, he allowed the NWA uh, or he allowed women from AW to wrestle in NWA uh, in St. Louis. And he was talking about, there were, you know, just asking about that and he was like um and then he immediately just got uh, defensive and said uh i promoted this and those people were there on my dime and he essentially just made it all about his money and his time and his effort uh instead of anything else and i think they're doing a good job with their women's division uh based on the the, the people that they have i think they're doing a great job with diversity uh just just in my opinion right like and i mean like I could be wrong, uh, but, you know, I was in our text thread, I was, like, listing off all of the, the, the people that have been stars and that they're making as stars, like Nyla Rose as a women's champion, as a transgender Native American with, you know, black women's champion. Like, that's, like, historic. And, well, what, there's uh, been four women's champions. Two of them have been from Japan. Uh, one of them's Nyla Rose. Japan, one of them's a, a one of them's a transgender person of color. There's only been four, and that's the thing is like a lot of people 
will say, oh, well, there hasn't been a black men's champion. And it's like, dude, there's been four. And well, that's even a, with that's, – that's it, it's just like you, you got to do it when the time is right. Like Jason said, like you can't thrust people in there for the sake of diversity. Like that's like the, that's like the straw man – of affirmative action, right? People are like, oh, well, people just have these jobs because well, they're people of color. And if, it's like, no, that's not accurate. If they threw Powerhouse Hobbs into the main event tomorrow and then next month he won it from Hangman Page, your reaction would be that's bad storytelling. Like, that's yeah. that's the soft bigotry of low expectations. That's a thing that exists, and that's not what we want. What I... I I don't know what he could be doing better because I don't think that when Tony Khan started AEW, he expected to back into Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. And, uh, uh, like, I don't think that he expected these things. And I don't think that the booking is bad. Obviously, I think the booking is very good. I think that the tweet was bad. Really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really all it is. Like, the tweet was bad. All you can say is... Yes, we should do better, and we will try to do better in the future. And instead of saying Big Swole's wrestling wasn't good enough, you could just say we wish we wish her best in her future endeavors. You know, like you like yeah, totally. that's that's all you have to do. It's really just a bad tweet. And yeah, um, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to try to shortchange like Leo Rush's reaction to this and Leo Rush was very mad Woo. there were there were some people that were very mad about this well, and, and, and went back on it real quick I'm certainly not gonna yeah, do it what's funny is, and you know why because he probably had a conversation face-to-face which is what all of this tribalism and stuff like dude powerhouse Hobbs came out and talked about how happy he was with his position and people were attacking powerhouse Hobbs it's like it's all the tribalism shit and like this this goes as like a whole kind of uh, microcosm of uh, of our current society at large, if you could just have a conversation face to face with the people that you think that you disagree with, you probably don't actually disagree with them. And also, like, Jay Lethal is not being buried on AEW Dark. <laughs> like, you wouldn't bring Jay Lethal in just to bury him on AEW Dark unless you had some sort of actual personal beef with the guy. Like, that's stupid. It, it, the, listen, it, there, I'm kind of like WWE's got kind of the uh, kind of got the lockdown on all the all the big black star wrestlers. I mean, they do. They got Lashley. They got fucking Kofi Kingston. They got Big E Langston. Okay, but that means what do you mean? What do you mean about big and black? Shelton <laughs> Benjamin. They got Cedric Alexander. You don't think Cedric Alexander would fucking do something in AEW tomorrow if they got him? Who's also Big Bull's husband. Is yeah, that true? Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I was getting ready to say that's yeah. probably not going to happen at this point. Um, but I don't think you have to be the big black guy. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the reason why I like AEW is that, they, you know, the the size doesn't matter. No, when I say big, I mean popular. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, um, I mean just popular guys. Keith like Lee if Kofi is Keith on Keith the Lee horizon, up. and that might be the one that might turn this whole thing around where now – you have somebody that you can legitimately plug in, 
similar to Adam Cole, Bebe, to Brian Danielson, to other guys that I had hopes for, Andrade, you know, another guy that's been on the AW Dark just to talk Jay Lethal for 30 seconds. I just saw that he was on Dark. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of it, but I'm willing to let this thing play out because, like I said before, with AEW, they at least, for me, have earned the benefit of the doubt where WWE, where we're going to talk about here in a little bit, has not. All right. Yeah, do you do you want do you want a, a token black champion that Brock Lesnar squashes a few months from now, or do you want long-term storytelling? Because that's happened to both the New Day, so... Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's let's get on to the uh, in-the-ring action. Uh, Zach, tell us about AEW. Yeah. First thing I want to talk about, because I do not want it to get discounted amongst all of the other amazing wrestling that's happening this week, is, uh, even though it wasn't the first match, uh, the women's match, Tay Conti and Anna Jay versus uh, the Bunny and Penelope Ford. These women went out there and really showed us how it's done. Uh, I was so into this match. Uh, it was absolutely brutal. I don't normally love these types of matches, uh, but this was such a, I don't know, like, style of clash is the right word, culture shock isn't the right word, but it was very shocking to see such beautiful people just absolutely destroying their bodies for my enjoyment. I did, and, not, I did not believe it when I heard everybody talking about it. I just watched it. Right before Jason came over, I did not believe it. I was like, "There's no way this match was this brutal or this good," and it was both. Check and check. <laughs> it was Jesus awesome. Christ! I about jumped out of my seat. Like I was laying in my bed, like with my back against the wall, uh, sitting up with my back against the wall, watching it on my TV, and I almost jumped out of my bed whenever Anna J wrapped the fucking barbed wire around yeah, her. I was just like, dude, arm. okay. And she's choking Bunny out. I was like, all right, you you can just tap out right now. And it went for like 30 seconds. It felt like, you know, five minutes. I'm like, girl, if you don't tap, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's over. Okay, put the ride aside for Christ's sake. Shit. No, it was, it was really good. Um, the botched, I won't even call it a botched spot, but I mean, Penelope Ford is maybe a buck oh five. She's lucky she didn't take her fucking head off on uh, the, the ring. Or apron. knock out some of Tay Conte's teeth. That too. Um, it was, that's the only, you know, spot that, you know, can be called into question. Tables sometimes just don't break. Grown-ass men go through tables, and they just don't break. So I'm, I'm not even going to knock it for that. Outside of that. Welcome to Japan. Yeah, right. Outside of that, I thought the match was, you know, surprisingly good for, you know, a, you know, a sandwich match on Rampage or whatever. Truth be told, it was better than the main event. <laughs> oh, it was. Definitely. It was really fun. Really fun. Really oh, fun. Totally. Color. So- it was it was all good. So I mean, we can mention the main event: Cody beat Ethan Page. Uh, kind of going back to Jason's comment about Scorpio Sky, like I can see, you know, there's no way that uh, Cody doesn't face Scorpio Sky uh, because of the American Top Team thing. It's not just an Ethan Page thing. So I'm still kind of holding out hope or holding out. Uh, you know, it's not like Scorpio Sky is done if he doesn't win this match, but I think it's a compelling match. Uh, for Scorpio Sky versus uh, Cody Rhodes. So, also, uh, Anthony I mean, Bowens versus Darry Allen was really good, too. Yeah, totally solid. Uh, you know, fun uh, fun little uh, Max Caster rap. Uh, like, I forget how he buried Sting. 
but it was it was good. <laughs> I, I popped. I don't remember exactly what he said. Yeah, I don't know if you guys. He did, talked about was, how he couldn't get it up or something. Yeah, and also that he wasn't trained, which is totally true because essentially, like Sting came up with Ultimate Warrior, they were the the Dingo Warriors or whatever they were. That was their tag team, and essentially they wrestled for like two weeks. And like, now nah, we're good. Like, uh, we got this. <laughs> so like they did not train at all. They were just a couple of weightlifting dudes, and uh, I, I just thought it was very inside and very funny. Uh, not that everybody would get that joke, but now um, let's let's talk about. Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page 2. Oh, yeah. It was for the belt. It opened up Dynamite again. They had the judges who were Mark Henry, Jerry Lynn, and uh, no BS, Paul White. <laughs> did you like right this? Right there, right there. That's Tony Khan fucking just being just did, Penny did Crocker. You, did you like this match better or worse than the one-hour-long draw, Jason? Ooh, um, I liked it. I liked the first one a little better just for the simple fact that it was more of the story being told. The second one, I think it, it feels like the story has been wrapped up. Um, the second one was much more violent. It, it, it came out swinging. Both guys were bleeding at different points. Both guys were, you know, suffering from uh, effects of the match. I don't think that neither one is a bad match. I mean, you know, well, you know, no. we're just. I mean, which one was greater though? <laughs> neither one's a bad match. I, I lean, I lean slightly towards the first one, just because, like I said, for an hour, they told a really good story where ultimately nobody comes out ahead, but Hangman gets himself over as champion. This one, to me, felt like a completion of the first match, so I'll go with the first one. Zach, which one do you like better? I'm going to echo Jason's sentiments. Um, I like the first one slightly more, but I really liked uh, the second one for its brutality, and it's, it was more of a TV match, whereas the first one was a pay-per-view match on TV. And I think if folks were able to see it without the commercial breaks, they would have agreed. But uh, holy shit. I mean, they're both five-star matches. I mean, Daniel Bryson, Daniel Bryson, I did it. I didn't even mean to. I did it on accident. Oh, That's what it's called Christ. here. Uh, so, yeah, Daniel Bryson is just the absolute man. And also, Hangman Page, I've seen some people say that he is failed as champion and that is because this guy's out here having the time of his life and people are behind him and he is drawing ratings and yes Brian Nielsen is part of that but like dude like these matches are transcendent like if these matches would have been 20 years ago you'd have been talking about them for We've been talking about them still, and now because of the the state of wrestling, we might only be talking about them for the next few months until next big thing, and that's a testament to how great these guys are. Uh, but I I think the first match is better for my taste. Some people might think of it as more boring, but I think of it as more methodical and more psychological, and that's what I watch wrestling for because 
I am personally an academic and an intellectual, even though uh, I'm a drunk and stoned individual most of the time. That's just how I, uh, that's, that's how I identify myself. Oh, yeah, that's how we and, all identify you, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I like the first one, but between five-star match and a five-star match. Like, they're both awesome. All right, uh, you guys are both marks. The second one was better. The second one was violent. They both got color. Uh, the story told in the second one was that uh, Daniel Bryan was not going to let himself uh, get hit by the buckshot lariat, and then he eventually got hit by the buckshot lariat. One of them put him down. It was 30 minutes. It was fucking perfect. I loved it. Uh, the second thing that I want to say about that match is that Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler in the entire world. It is Daniel Bryan and everybody else is just one, just they're a level below him. Everybody else. Everybody else. Everybody else. Every, Honestly, everybody in, in else. Nor, in North, North American wrestling, you are not wrong. Uh, I'm talking about best doing it right now. I'm talking, I watched eight hours maybe more of japanese wrestling and there are guys in that wrestling promotion that i love daniel bryan's the best daniel bryan could do what any other one of those guys could do in the east or the west or the north or the south mm. i don't care if you're black white or purple that's a hot take. That's what racists say. Actually, I do. I'm I'm not really into purple people. <laughs> Dan Bryan is the best wrestler on the planet, bar none. Wow. I will I will say. Uh, so the only the only folks um, that I will say that really you know in his league, right? You know, there's there's Okada, Shingo, Osprey, and then Omega. Um, and I mean, he's top five for me. Those are my top five wrestlers, like in the world right now. Uh, and uh, I, dude, can you? Um, Drake didn't he was able to go to New Japan? How much more we were talking about him being the best in the world? Cause of course, he is. You're not, you're not wrong. Of course, at all. Thank you. That feels good. He's eating up. I, I guess I just have to see it for myself. Um, you know, knock on wood, it happens where Okada either comes here or Brian Danielson goes to Japan. I, do not get me wrong. Brian Danielson is doing incredible work with Hangman Page. He's gotten him over his champ. I don't get any criticism of what Hangman Page has done to this point. I just, like I said, I'm, I get it. I just... Okada is back, you know. It's hard for me to get, you know, to, to get off of that train at this point. That's just me. Uh, next up on, you getting cold, Jason? Hell yeah, nigga. Do you want gloves? No, go ahead. I got gloves. No. I got gloves inside. Go get you gloves? Is that what you're saying? I'll go get the gloves. Oh, guys, you, you would not believe the work that I just house. They're in, the, they're in the closet. Us, they're... They're in the coat closet. Go in there. I just came in the house to get another beer. My wife's like, are you drinking? And I showed her. I was like, I got a 
non-alcoholic beer. Uh, she doesn't know that it's my ninth beer. <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you how cold it is out here. Oh, Jason's going to the total wrong place. No, not there, Jason. Jason, not there. No. Oh, God, he is high. Oh. Anyway, what I was... <laughs> oh, no, Jason. Not there. Not there. Jason. Oh, not there. Not there. The coat closet. Coat closet. It's so fucking cold out here. Oh, it's cold here. It's uh, come come out here and talk. Come out here and talk about wrestling. I'll get it for you. Here he comes. He's trying to act like a hard ass, not wearing gloves. We're keeping all this in the podcast too. Yeah, yeah. You need gloves, man. Are you really still recording? Oh yeah, we're totally still recording. I'll say that. (laughs) You know. God forbid we ended anything out. Now, what are we talking about? Yeah, that's what you get, you know, making fun of me. That's what you got the headphones still on, fucking with me. We were talk- We were talking about uh, uh, Tony Khan saying the N-word on live TV. Whoa, when the fuck did this happen? But just now, you need to react oh, on shit. Twitter only. You can't say anything. <laughs> you just got to say it on Twitter, 240 characters only. Oh, shit. Yeah, I was about to say my tweet will be quick. You fucked up. <laughs> I'm about to say Vince still ain't gotten uh, over that shit. That's been at least a decade ago. God damn! I was about to say you ain't learned your lesson. What the fuck? It's funny because I think he got over it the minute that it happened. <laughs> no, no, it's getting ready to say every now and then I see that Joker pop up where it's like you know. If it's a it's something against Vince or you know Vince doesn't like you know black people or something along those lines, that Joker pops up, and especially you know with the Booker T being in that same clip, you know what I'm saying, and you know he he pops his uh his catchphrase or whatever he's like you know no he did not just say that I mean it it's don't get me wrong it's funny as fuck but I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. All right, shit. Talk about dynamite, nigga. Let's go. All right, all right, cool. Let's we'll keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought we were just no, no, no. Fuck him. Let's go. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love that everybody gets to see behind the curtain of how just uh, <laughs> fucked up everything is in the, in the BFR world. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so um, shit. What happened? Uh, uh, there's some stuff that happened after that match. Uh, that. So we had MJF come out. Uh, against uh, what is his name? Sean Dean. Sean Dean. Yes. And uh, so I, I actually called it like as soon as this happened, I knew what was going to happen. Not because I'm like super smart, but it was very telegraphed. Uh, and I thought it was, I thought it was intelligent uh, because they never do DQs. Uh, but MJF comes out to face Sean Dean. CM Punk runs out. And gets in the ring. Of course, MGF runs away because that's the story. Uh, CM Punk then gives the go to sleep to Sean Dean, essentially giving MGF a loss in the DQ. Uh, and because the AEW records reset at the new year, uh, gives him his, a loss. So MGF is 0-1, and he's going for the title. And this is a great story 
you know, last week we were talking about, oh, they just said that they're done with each other. Is that really true or not? Well, obviously it's not true. And then we have a heated promo battle, which was phenomenal, where MJF basically says, like, oh, you compared me to Roddy Piper. Uh, did you only do that because uh, you're worried that I'm as good as Roddy Piper, who is someone who can actually main event a WrestleMania, which is the line that I said that he should have said back in their first promo battle. Cold-blooded. So he actually says it, which is hilarious and awesome. And then CM Punk comes back, mega heated, which was great. And he says, yeah, he's like, go ahead. You go to the Fed. You main event night four of the buy one, get one extravaganza. And then you can come back as soon as you're released faster than you last in the sack. Dude, that oh shit was like, God. oh, no, no <laughs> shots fired. Dude, and dude, if you're one of those people that says, oh, they reference WWE too much, like, I don't have any sympathy for you. Like, you can like what you like, but the fact that they did it in that context, it's perfect. Like, No, no go ahead. It's perfect. Like, of course you want to reference WWE in regards to CM Punk because he got done dirty there, and that's the whole reason he left wrestling for seven fucking years. Like, you're an idiot if you don't reference it. Like, they do not ignore wrestling history in this. And also, uh, his comeback was phenomenal because it buries WWE, which is their main competition. Like, it is ridiculous. Like, and like none of these people grown up in the same United States of America that I've grown up in where Coke and Pepsi have been in this battle for, you know, the last forever, which like turned me into an absolute fucking socialist to where I just can't even stand capitalist America. Like, of course, (laughs) like, like do the fucking thing that makes people mad. Like this is heat, man. Like, dude, like, I don't know. I just, I imagine fucking Bully Ray was just jerking off to this shit super hard because the, oh, the heat. I guess you guys are talking about MJF and CM Punk. We are talking about MJF and CM Punk. Yeah, uh, it was a great promo segment. No, it was it was shots fired both ways. I love the fact that, like you said, uh, MJF came up, came back with the Roddy Piper line, and then the CM Punk comeback was just whew, brutal. I mean, brutal in the sense that it it's. True. I mean, ultimately, if MJF went to WWE in 2024, he can be released within that year and nothing would change. That is such a good promo move for MJF over and over again to talk about how he's going to go to WWE. It is actually genius. Yeah. Oh, because it only benefits him because he's going to get a much bigger paycheck in 2024. Well, I mean, it also benefits AEW because it's funny. Oh, 100%. And I don't think MJF is going to WWE, but I do think that he is smart enough to recognize that he needs to play that same game that everybody else has played. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, the Kevin Owens blueprint has been set out there, and – Regardless if he goes to AEW, you know, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you know, he got his payday. And ultimately, that's the biggest thing when it comes to the talent. All right. Edge, Edge came to Vince and said, they offered me $3 million. 
And, what you got? <laughs> yeah, what you got? And, he, and Vince is like, okay, like here you go. Like he, there's certain people he doesn't want to lose, and there are certain people that Vince would like to get. And MJF is certainly one of them, especially considering the dude barely wrestles. Like all he does is talk. That's that's Raw in a nutshell. Like Raw would be infinitely more entertaining if MJF was on it. Yes. Uh, so uh, we can skip past some of this other stuff. Uh, Jade Cargill almost looked like she killed Ruby Riot on the or Ruby Soho on that finishing. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. I do have to say that last night while I was watching it, I was holding my four-month-old daughter at the Guerrero, and uh, she was completely enthralled by mjf just could not turn away could not turn away Uh oh i know not cool right first Uh, motherfucker we gonna have to bury um but jurassic express versus lucha brothers was a fun match that ended gruesomely uh which i wish i never would have seen uh it was really bill Bill texted us to not watch the replay and i swear to god i rewound it like 10 times because i just couldn't help myself it was gross it was like sid vicious breaking his leg um that's the only thing i could compare it to that's the only thing i compared to in my head i can't remember a uh an injury that gruesome on live television other than sid vicious and, like, the people blaming Luchasaurus are fucking idiots because, dude, he choked Landon through the table. That was the spot. And uh, the whole number one rule when you take a back bump is to not plant with your hand. And Bray Phoenix is super experienced, and he planted with his hand, and that sucks. And it was terrible, but it was not Luchasaurus's fault. And I feel bad for him, and I'm glad that it seems like it's only a dislocation because, oh, my God, it was what? it was graphic. They said it's only a dislocation? Yeah, he dislocated his elbow, like, basically bent his elbow backwards, and he'll only be out for a few weeks. It definitely wasn't luch- – that, that is incredible to me. To me, that looked like a snapped arm. That is incredible yeah, no, was, to me. Basically, his elbow bent backwards and dislocated. Um, so, yeah, he'll be in a cast for a few weeks, and then he'll have to rehab it. He but went it's down. Not a broken arm. He went down and started calling over a guy instantly, and I was like, maybe I, I, I'm going to watch this replay again. And then I watched the replay, and I exclaimed, holy shit. Um, yeah, well, bad. that's that's good news. It wasn't Luchasaurus's fault. It, it, it was a fun spot. <sighs> looked like a pretty rough spot. but Okay, and I guess that's where... If there's criticism, maybe to be had, is AEW putting guys in spots where? No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that they are. Come on. I'm not saying. Look, look. As far as I'm concerned, that was just a part of the match. Shit happens. Okay. But Bunny almost taking her head off. Now you got Phoenix getting hurt. It's not like it's an all all the time thing. But it's something to talk about. If know? they were less experienced, I would say so. But, like, all of those guys are very experienced. Uh, Bunny, less so. Um, but as far as, like, the men, like, they've all been wrestling for a long time. But I think if you asked Phoenix, he would be like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have put my arm down. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to Oh, yeah, for sure. Throw. I was going to say, that's that's the one thing. When I saw the replay, you know, fortunately, I was off last night, so I got to watch. But when I saw the replay, I was like, ooh, ooh. And my knee-jerk reaction was like, yeah, he's done for a little bit. There's, you know, no way he's coming back. But, like you said, he shouldn't have put his arm down. That's that's just a what do, natural reaction. What do you reaction. think about the – what do you think about the title change? I think it's, I think it's good. Uh, not that I think Lucha Brothers were stale or anything. I think it's good that it propels this uh, Christian storyline and it propels uh, Jungle Boy because eventually, like the whole point of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus is not for them to be this amazing tag team. It's for Jungle Boy to be a fantastic singles wrestler, and I think this is the beginning of that happening. I'll, I'll say this. I was a little surprised when Jurassic Express won just because I thought this was the point where Christian was going to flip on him. Maybe, and I'm just throwing it out here, maybe Ray Phoenix getting hurt changed the plan. I'm not saying that, you know, the plan wasn't for Jurassic Express to go over. Jurassic Express is a good team, and like you said, this is, on, I guess, on the the Jungle Boy storyline, for lack of a better word. Um, if ultimately he's going, he's going to have to win the titles to go to that next level. So that's fine and dandy too. My only thought was, was this the plan, or did they call the audible because uh, Ray Fink's got hurt? I think that that was a plan to begin with. It didn't seem like with it was an audible. With all the tag teams coming out, it seemed like it was the plan. Yeah, it seemed like maybe it, it was. Maybe they had like two, three minutes left, but it seemed like it was the plan. Yeah, I forgot about the tag teams coming out. Totally Jason, about that. Jason, stand up. What, what is this like? The Untouchables? Make you feel better. <laughs> God damn, it's fucking cold out like here. We ain't got a whole lot of time out here, guys. I've got some. I've got some hot hands, but I'm I'm two thousand miles from y'all. All right, so uh, that's gonna do it for our AEW. Let's get to that three count. Don't do it. <laughs> Global media. <You're- laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Jesus uh, Christ. No, I'm hitting the right button. He it's is. Just, he totally is. He totally is. I like, that's what I like. The don't do all, it. The thing's all fucked up. It's like seven degrees out here. Oh, shit. Jason's getting ready to freeze to death, man. We're going to go inside. We're going to watch the challenge. we got like a half hour podcast left. Uh, let's get that three count. Ding, ding, ding. We're going to talk about WWE. And the big story in WWE was that Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID. Jesus Christ. Uh, so all of our predictions were thrown out the window, and Brock Lesnar got thrown to the Fatal Four Way against Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Biggie Langston, who was the champion. Brock Lesnar ends up going over. Brock Lesnar is now the champion. So the two champions, heavyweight champions in WWE now, are Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. My biggest problem, I thought the match was fun. I thought it could have been longer. I loved Kevin Owens' performance. And it's, <laughs> uh, him doing the Brock Lesnar bouncing up and down after he put Brock Lesnar down <laughs> was cool as fuck. Um, 
my biggest problem with it was that A, Big E got pinned, and B, Big E didn't come out last. I really didn't appreciate Big E not coming out last on the pay-per-view for the match, for his entrance. Brock Lesnar came out last. Uh, what do you think, Jason? <sighs> You know, it, it wasn't Kofi Mania, but it felt like Kofi Mania when Biggie won it. It felt another like a good feel-good moment. And now you kind of snuck it away from me again. Um, I was at work finding out that Roman Reigns had COVID. So that was the only real spoiler I had coming into that shit. So as I went home, I'm watching it. And I'm like, okay, you know, decent match, you know. But at certain points, you can kind of tell what was going to happen. Big E not being introduced last was a huge spot. Uh, Brock Lesnar kind of being the de facto babyface throughout that match. He was really the only guy that was getting double teamed. He was the guy that uh, Bobby Lashley threw through, uh, spear through the barricade. He was the one guy throughout that match that seemingly was protected throughout it. Never took real big bad bumps, ex- except for when it was double teamed by Seth and uh, KO. I'll just say this. It's not like Big E is bad. I think they just booked him poorly. I don't think he's had a... If I'm not mistaken, he won the title in October. So he didn't have a pay-per-view win. He had a bunch of raw losses leading up to this point. COVID might not have been the reason to take the title off of him, but it gave the excuse to do so. Okay. That's my problem with it. They, If you want to do it, you could have just went with, Brock versus Lashley for, like, a special attraction. Be done with that. Have the three guys or do a fatal four-way and just have Big E just off the card. So that way you kind of keep the integrity of the original match to begin with. Big E's still the champion. You can move on. I just feel like they duped me again, and I fell for it again, and that's my biggest problem with it. What do you think, Jack? Zach? Yeah, no, I think uh, Jason totally hit the nail on the head. Uh, this guy, uh, Aaron uh, Rotkowski, posted on Twitter, which pretty much encapsulates Big E's entitled title run because uh, Big E is a – I just want to preface this by saying he is a total champion. Uh, we've been yearning for this. If you listen to the last 238 fucking episodes, we've been <laughs> wanting Big E to be this guy. And they gave it to us, but only as, like, a token service. They didn't give it to us uh, like we really wanted it. They gave it to us because they thought that it was advantageous, but not because they saw him as top guy material, because he won the title on September 13th. He then lost to Roman in a triple threat uh, on the 20th, which is one week later. He lost to the Usos by countout on the 10th of October. Then he lost to the Rollins versus Usos on November 15th. Then he lost to Roman at Survivor Series, which even if you don't remember those other ones, you remember that one. Uh, he lost 
to Kevin Owens by disqualification on November 29th. Then he lost to Bobby Lashley on the 13th of December. And then, of course, he loses the title to Brock at day one. Uh, not as fast as Kofi Kingston. Uh, it took him eight minutes instead of eight seconds. Jesus uh, But Christ. he still ended up pinning the New Day guy. It's like, it's, it's a total thing. Like, WWE did not see him as a top guy. And it's very sad Probably because not. he has everything that they want. And it's like, dude, like, we want it. He has everything that you want. Why can't you get behind this guy? And, I mean, I understand, you know, the whole... They can't get out their own know. way. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll push back on this a little bit. I'll push back on this because because he's a champion, he will always be a former champion, and he will always be seen as a threat anytime he gets put into a situation where he could win the belt. And that is forever. That's the Miz. That's Edge. That's Christian. That's we Randy Orton. We haven't talked about the Miz. That's being championship material I, until he was champion it, last year. Until he did, all of a sudden it, it became advantageous for WWE to do so. Right. Sure. But Big E will be around for a long time, and he'll he will. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the Royal Rumble. You're not okay. See. Michael Wallace Seals, God bless you for it. He said the same thing. I'm going to push back on that. So you're going to have the guy that won Money in the Bank also win the Royal Rumble in the same fiscal year. Fiscal year? This is the WWE fiscal year. Yeah. Yeah, he could do that. Why not? It's never been done, number one. And number two, they're not going to do that. It's just not something they do. That's the thing. It's like he could and he deserves – to do it based on his work and his status, but they are just not into him. It's obvious. The Clearly. only two people they care about in the entire company all roads lead to on Roman. the men's side. On the men's side uh, are Roman and, and Brock. Brock. That's all, it. All That's roads all lead to Roman. So are we looking at a unification match at WrestleMania between Brock and Roman? Is that what we're looking looking at? God, I hope I don't not. know if it's unification or if it's I, I don't know if it's unification because I don't think they're ready to do that. But I imagine it could be Fox, title versus Fox title. Fox is their damn mind. They paid up a, almost a billion for That's that. That's a good point. Um, we also on the WWE side, we saw Braun Breaker win the championship from Tommaso Ciampa on NXT. In what I would say, dare I say, a very good match. Like a really good match. Braun Breaker apparently has been wrestling for less than a year. That was his 14th match. That is insane that that's how good that match was. Wow. You could tell because when he started to take off his uh, his uh, singlet over the shoulders, he didn't do it towards the hard camera, and he like remembered it and then turned towards the hard camera when he meant to do it. And so <laughs> you could tell that he was, uh, you know, a work in progress. He's fresh, but Chapa made him look like a million bucks. What do you think, Jason? The tab out was a surprise. That's the only thing that was, I won't even say an issue, but I was just like, Oh, 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 so we really going to go ahead and put, uh, the black and gold brand down. 
it, not the finish. I shouldn't say the finish. The result wasn't a surprise. The finish was. The match was fine. The rest of the car was fine. I'm just not an NXT guy anymore. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, outside of Carmelo, Braun Breaker, Malcolm Bivens, there's not much for me on NXT to really get into and really invest in. To be perfectly honest, that's just me. What you think about it, Zach? I actually did watch this, uh, believe it or not, and uh, I thought it was a really good match, uh, and it was the ending that I expected, um, you know, called it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all I can hope for is that WWE does the right thing with him, and he does move on to the main roster, and they treat him like a monster, and he tears through um, – you know, maybe like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you make him wait and win the Royal Rumble or, or what you do, but I think that he has it in him to be a star because he has star potential. He's a great athlete. He's obviously got it, you know, like quote unquote, unquote it. And, um, but this was the last vestige of the black and gold. You know, it was like putting the black and gold to bed. And then, what, the next day, they fire uh, a bunch of people from the black and gold? Well, that's what uh, I was going to say. Done. That's not necessarily the end of the black and gold. The end of the black and gold was William Regal getting uh, getting let go, future endeavored. Uh, what do you think about that, Zach? I mean, just imagine firing William Regal. Like, I know that you're not scouting indie talent anymore, and that was his position uh, to scout indie talent. And also to be a coach and to be the GM, they've obviously taken him off TV. He was not the GM really anymore. But, dude, like, this is the dumbest shit on the planet. Like, and you can see it. Like, it's a I mean, different world, every, baby. every WWE, even main roster, people were just like, this is the guy that gave me the confidence to be who I am. Like, <clears throat> it was, it was just above and beyond the response that they got. William Regal was the number one trending person on Twitter. Like, I mean, that one was baffling, but the most disgusting uh, was... Alice uh, in Danger. The, yeah, Alice in Danger, who uprooted her entire life, uh, moved from Las Vegas, uh, had only been, you know, chasing her dream to move from Las Vegas, uprooted her entire family, moved to Orlando, she was literally picking her kid up from the first day of, at their new school, Stop. and she got she got the call. Yeah, I heard that too. In in the pickup circle, like if anybody has kids, you know how it is. Like you got to pick up your kids in like the circle, and you, you drive up and like like a whole thing. She got the call that she was fired on her kid's first day at their new school because she had uprooted her entire life to be part of this company and that is the biggest indictment that you can give like these people don't give a fuck about anything jason thoughts on regal regal is is like it's the commission of the black and gold so at that point if you're really gonna move away from it it's you know he's gonna sweep them all out the way but i'll miss regal in the sense of you know he's he's one of those guys that is 
as a figurehead, as a commissioner of a brand, his war games, you know, when he screamed that, that was always a good thing to hear. It was always, they booked him in a sense that made sense. It's a damn shame, but, you know, I didn't even know about this Allison Parker woman or whatever. That, Allison that's, Danger. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the one that I'm still tripping off on, to be perfect. Oh, my phone just died. Okay. Because it's too cold outside. Uh, that's going to do for our three count. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> hey, Jason, we have some birthdays going on. We have Chavo Seniors, 73. Darby Allen is 29. Bushwhacker Luke is 75. Bad Luck Fale is 40. Chris Masters is 39. Todd Grisham is 46. Ruby Soho is 31. Buff Bagwell is 52. Grandmaster Sexe is 50. Uh, Tamina Snuka is 44, and Abdul the Butcher, the Hepatitis King, is stop, stop, 82. Stop. Welcome to... Nope, that's not <laughs> it. Hey, everybody. We appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. That's funny. We know there's tons of podcasts listening to, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours. Mm-hmm. For... The Vice... For Jack. Jason Cornelius Bell, Jack. for Two Beer Zach Bowl, and part, I beer, Zach Bowl Bill Veggie, and everybody just boo the heels. It's and so goddamn cold. <laughs>